0: Receive that prayer and that you receive those things done in your life. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. We're studying hearing the voice of the Lord. We talked about that last week. You might want to get the tape. We're not going to review it all. And so Exodus, but this will stand on its own. If you weren't here last week, you won't have any trouble understanding it either. Exodus 15 verse 26. It says, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of of the Lord thy God. And will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments, talking about his word there, keep all his statutes. I will put, or I like to say permit, because actually if it was better translated, it would be permit. I will permit none of... Uh, I will permit none of the diseases upon thee which I have permitted upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Did y'all notice there in verse, the first part of the verse, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice. Then turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28 beginning in verse 1. Now we could find a lot of scriptures that say this, but I picked out two that were most familiar to me. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Then drop down to verse 15, and it says there, but it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So we see here that these scriptures point out very clearly how important it is for not only for us to hear the voice of the Lord our God, but we have to hearken to it. That means we have to obey it. It's not enough just to hear. In fact, if we hear and don't obey, pretty soon we won't even hear, will we? And so um, it's important that we hearken to the voice of the Lord our God. Here's what the Holy Spirit said to me yesterday as I was praying. No, I think it was Friday. As I was praying... Uh, It was yesterday or Friday. I don't remember. Anyway, I was praying and seeking the Lord about this message. You know that advertisement that's for Michelin tires and the baby is there on it and then it says there's a whole lot riding on these, you know, and they're trying to get you to buy the best tires because there's a whole lot riding on it. That's what they say. Well, that advertisement just came up in my heart. and I And the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you know, I want my people to hear my voice because there's a whole lot riding on it. There's a whole lot riding on it. In fact, it can be the difference between success and failure. It can be the difference between life and death sometimes. To hear the voice of the Lord our God, can it? And He wants us to hear His voice. He's speaking all the time to us. Amen. And so He wants us to hear Him. And the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. He wants us to know we've heard Him. Amen. Have confidence in the voice of the Lord. And you know that's something that you don't get instantly. You not you 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 train yourself. Hebrews says that through use that it you're trained to discern between good and evil. You train yourself. And and so, but it should be one of the greatest quests of all Christians to hear the voice of the Lord, to understand their father's voice and to know his voice. You know I know I know my family's voice. You know, I try when I call y'all and when I call other people, I don't always do this. I mean, sometimes I forget, but I try to always identify myself. I think it's, it's, that that's the polite thing to do is cause I've had people call me before where I, they were having this conversation, kind of an intimate conversation, you know, how things going and stuff. And I'm thinking, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Have you ever done that? Or, and I'm, or I'm thinking, um, I know I know this voice. I know I know who this is, but who is it? Oh, God, this is embarrassing. You know, I've been, I've been there when I was thinking like that. So I try to identify myself. But, you know, with family members, that's not necessary. You know, when I call Colin, I don't say, Colin, this is your mother. <laughs> I don't tell him that. I usually say, what are, you, what are you doing? That's how I usually start every conversation. What are you doing? You know, and... Um, <laughs> And you know, when you know each other's voice, you don't you just know. And see, God wants it to be like that with him, when we we know when our father spoke. We know when God spoke to us. Man, I just know my father's voice. And I can just tell when the enemy's trying to tell me something. Because you know the enemy will speak and try to make it sound like it's God talking. Uh, You know? Usually you can tell if you, if you know the Word of God, you can tell because usually He throws in some condemnation and some guilt with it and some things like that. But you know how you've know how you heard that voice and you for a minute thought, man, is this God telling me this? This makes me feel rotten. I tell you, God's not going to tell you anything that makes you feel rotten. Even if He tells you, man, you, you messed up. And we want Him to tell us if we messed up, don't we? Praise God. You need to invite the Holy Spirit to tell you. I tell the Lord frequently, I say, Father God, I ask you to correct me where I'm wrong. A lot, I found Christians that didn't want to know if they were wrong. That is the dumbest thing. That is so dumb to not want to know when you're wrong. It's like, God, correct us where we're wrong. Find a way to show us that we're, if we're thinking wrong. If we've got a, a paradigm. Do you all know what a paradigm is? I mean, not all of you may not know what a paradigm is, but paradigm is a way of thinking where you just, you think one way and you don't think, and you, you can't break out of that way of thinking. And we get paradigms and sometimes they're wrong. I know we've told you this before, and this is the only thing I can think of that comes to my mind, but you know, when we moved to Alabama, we didn't, we'd never lived in an apartment, so it was like we couldn't even fathom, God say, live in an apartment. We had a paradigm. Because we'd never lived in an apartment our whole life. From the time we got married, and, and I lived in the dorm, he lived in the dorm, but, but after we got married, we lived in a house. And, and you know, right after we lived in a little, um, we actually we lived in a house free for about four months, and some friends of my family said, you live in this house free while you go to... Uh, to tech, to college, to Texas Tech, and um, the dumbest thing we ever did was say was we did that one semester, and then it was like, man, we got to get away from this. And we're like, and now I'm like, we look back and go, why? You know, you were living in a house free, you could have finished college, you know, right there. But uh, anyway, that's that's a whole nother story. But uh, you know, when you can have a way of thinking, and you and, and not break out of that thinking. Like I know, there's some people that that they think, well, you couldn't, you couldn't even, you couldn't have any, you couldn't have anything but a used car. It'd be bad to buy anything but a used car. And you see, that's a paradigm, that's a way of thinking that may or may not be necessarily God's will for you at this point in your life. And and so there's there's paradigms in our lives, and we need God to break through to us in any area that you have a paradigm. Does everybody catch what I'm talking about? It's a rut, you could say it that way. It's a rut where your thinking thinks the same way every time. You know, and, and it can be simple things. Sometimes we call them traditions. You know, you, we can think like, well, you have to have turkey and dressing on Thanksgiving. Well, did you know that that's actually a paradigm? Did you know you actually could survive and have something else on Thanksgiving? Now, you may not want to, and you may choose to follow that tradition, but, you know, you can, get, you can get where, you know, this is a paradigm. I have to have certain things at certain times. And so we need God to break us out of any paradigms. Now, turkey and dressing is not one of them. That was just an example. But we need God to break us out of any paradigms that... Uh, that are not the will of God things, that are against the will of God, that, that are limiting us and holding us back. You know, people get in a paradigm and think they could all, they have to always work at the same place. You know, you, you see that back in, uh, where, where, where like generations of families who've lived in the same da- town, you know, you saw the movies where daddy worked at the mine and granddaddy worked at the mine and grand, granddaddy worked at the mine. And you know, you get in that paradigm and you know, and you've seen movies about how, you know, a child finally breaks out and says, you know, I want something different for my life than this. And see, that's how we need to be, is God's got to break us out of some areas. Because we've set, we've got a way of thinking, sometimes passed through the generations, and sometimes other things. And I don't want any of those that are keeping me from the will of God. Do you? From the abundant life and from the perfect will of God. So I need to say to the Lord, you know, the Lord, the Holy Ghost is such a gentleman. I need to say to Him, Father, correct me where I'm wrong. But, you know, sometimes people don't want to know because they, you know what, if God corrects you where you're wrong, guess what you've got to do? Change. And change is not always comfortable, is it? In fact, change is rarely comfortable. Hallelujah. That's right. Okay, so we're trying to hear the voice of the Lord, aren't we? And a whole lot is riding on whether you hear the voice of the Lord or not, and whether you hear it correctly or not. You can be listening to wrong voices. Even Christians can listen to wrong voices. Amen? Sometimes people have paradigms that are robbing them. Like I tell you a paradigm in the body of Christ, a lot of people just want to hear preaching. And there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Now you need both. The Bible says Jesus went about teaching and preaching and healing all those that were sick and oppressed of the devil. And we need both. But if all you hear is teach- preaching, you're going to be kind of lopsided spiritually. Preaching is inspirational. Preaching is, in, is designed to uh, spur you on, to get you going, to hype you up, to get you, to get you going. But if you don't have some teaching underneath that getting going, you'll get all stirred up and then you won't even know what to do because you'll be stirred up. But it's like... but I I don't know because I don't see you got to have some foundation you have to have some line upon line teaching and that's a paradigm in the body of Christ and see sometimes people are locked in where they're at because they choose they choose their preachers even their radio preachers and their TV preachers they choose them according to a style that they've always heard and they've always liked or the style they grew up with if you grew up with sweating you know that kind of preacher you probably like that kind of preaching and that's good it's okay to like it but you gotta you're gonna have to make yourself get over and listen to the teacher listen to the teacher teach you and then sometimes people have paradigms I'm really into this I don't know why tonight but paradigms about church and it's like you've heard it well we didn't have very good service tonight all preacher did was all he did was teach or you've heard people say, Man, we had a good service tonight. We had tongues and interpretation. That's not the criteria of a good service. A good service is whatever the Holy Ghost wants. But we get, you know, people get in paradigms even. We had a move of the Holy Ghost tonight. And, the, and there's people that say, Man, we had a good church. We had we had we had a move of the Holy Ghost. Well, we have good church. When we just have preaching, and guess what? That's a move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Or when we just have teaching, that's a move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's a move of the Holy Ghost when we sing fast songs and run around the room, but it's also a move of the Holy Ghost when we sing slow songs and we worship God. Amen. And he, He's the one that decides, and we need to flow with that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, now, God has three voices in the earth. He has three voices in the earth. You may not know this, but I know it because the Holy Spirit told me I have three voices in the earth. And the first voice is the Word of God. And it's the most important voice, and it's the most sure voice, and it's the most secure voice, and it's the most, um, and it's the most important voice, and it's the very best voice to hear, and it's the least esteemed voice. People esteem the voice of the Word of God less. Even in our circles... It's like we'd rather hear the preacher prophesy or we'd rather hear tongues and interpretation of tongues than we would rather just hear the Word of God. But the most secure thing you can have is the Word of God. See, sometimes we're just like, oh God, i got to hear from you. And most of the time we're not thinking I'll go pick up my Bible and I'll pick it up, God, and I'll open it up and I believe I'll hear from you in the Word of God. Most of the time, we've already said, oh yeah, I know what that says. You know, people come to counseling and and we'll say, the Word says, well, I know that, but... See, they're wanting something besides the Word of God. If you've got the Word of God on a subject, you've got the voice of the Lord. You know the truth. And that's really all you need. And that's why when Jesus talked to the man who uh, said... uh, Net my servant life and homesick of the palsy, uh, and then Jesus said, I'll come and heal him, and he said to him, he said, Well, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, just speak the word only. Jesus later said, I've not seen so great faith because the greatest faith, the most mature faith, is the man that doesn't have to have a word uh, from the prophet or a word uh, uh, from the tongues and interpretation of tongues, but he's got the Word of God' Amen? I'm telling you, it better than me saying, Myron, you're healed, is you knowing that 1 Peter 2.24 says, By His stripes ye were healed. Now praise God for encouragement as we grow. We all need it on different levels. Amen? I need it. You need it. Praise God. We all need it. But the most sure thing we can have is the Word of God. Turn to Psalm 138, verse 2. And this is, the, this is the, the Word of God, is the voice of the Lord in the earth. And see, a lot of people don't even know that. They would tell you, well, you know God really doesn't speak today. If you interviewed most people, they'd say God doesn't really speak today. Not even knowing that the Holy Bible, laying on their coffee table, is God speaking today. This is God speaking to you. This is the answer for every situation. Is in the Word of God. When you encounter uh, something, a trouble, a, a, a decision, something that that you've got, you've got something, you have gotta have an answer, family. This is where you go, and you pour over it, and you read, and you read, and you keep, and and it's not always instant. And I'll tell you something else. This is not the best way. That's not a good way. You're gonna get fleeced doing that. You're going to get fleece doing that. You're not going to get what you want doing that. No, but, but the, when, as you pour over the Word of God, and it might take an hour, it might take several days of pouring over the Word of God. See, we just don't want to Sometimes we just don't want it bad enough. We don't want to hear from God bad enough. You know, the worse we feel, the, the less we want to Press. Isn't that usually right? Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Listen, his word is magnified and above even the name of Jesus. His word is above all. He's magnified his word above his name. I want to tell you something you may not know, and I'm sure some of you don't, the Word is more important than prayer. Now, that shocks most Christians. It would have shocked me at one time. It was like, oh, I need to pray, I need to pray, I need to pray more. Well, you can't even pray in the will of God until you know the will of God, and most of the time, what we need is not more prayer; we need more word. Like Pastor said, we just don't know enough yet. Hallelujah! And sometimes I know in myself, even as I uh, am where I'm at now, that there are times in my life when I think, you know, I don't, I don't need to pray right now. I'm just going to ramble. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. You, you know, if I'm in a place where I, I really need something for God, man, I'm just going gonna, gonna to get in there and I'm going to pray the problem and pray unbelief. I just need to get in the Word and get myself focused, get myself settled down. Hallelujah. Amen. It's true anyway. Revelation twenty I'm going to read that to you. I bet I'll get there before you do. The very last chapter in the Bible. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So it's very important to God that we don't take away, that we don't add to, right? The Word of God. And then in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. Are you moving fast tonight? Are you good at Bible drill? Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5. Some of you beat me there. Verse 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, pass one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now a jot and a tittle, that's just the commas and the things like that. those It's not going to pass away. This Word is not going to pass away. This is sure. This is eternal. This is the thing you can bank your life on. And I tell you, when you hear the voice, this is the voice of the covenant. The Word of God is the voice of the covenant. And when you hear a voice that contradicts this Word or compromises this Word, you've done heard a wrong voice. Amen. It's not the voice of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that the Spirit and the Word, that they agree... The Spirit and the Word will always agree, and uh, so we need to get to know this Word. Now, I want to tell you this too. The, I'm going to talk about two other voices in the earth, but this is a key to the other voices: is knowing the Word of God. We need to give our attention to the Word of God, and when we know His Word, we will know Him, and we will know the will of God. And I tell you what: we won't even be having to ask God a lot of questions. Because we'll already know the answer because we know His Word. You know, people are asking God questions. And I tell you this, too God doesn't answer questions a lot of times that we ask Him when the answer is in the Word of God. And He quits talking to us about things when we're not doing the Word of God. And you know, people, I, invariably, Christians always think they're the exception. The, the people that don't go to church in Tuscaloosa that are Christians, you know what? They think that some of them know the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But you know what? They think they're the exception. They think God understands. He doesn't. He doesn't understand, and He never will understand. He, he thinks God, they, un, he thought, they think God understands, oh, because we've got this special situation, or I've got this, or God, you know they hurt my feelings, or all the things that we come up with, or people come up with, we don't, but people come up with for not being in church. People come up with reasons for not tithing. People come up with reasons for not walking in love. People come up with reasons, uh, to divorce and all sorts of things that they come, up, they come up with them, and they think, I'm the exception to what the Word of God says. Oh, they know what the Word of God says. A lot of times they do. Now, sometimes people, just out of ignorance, don't know. You know that. But sometimes people know, and they just think, I'm the exception. Well, we need to focus the, on the Word, and we need to focus our entire lives on the Word of God. Listen, there's nothing more important in your life than knowing the Word of God. And so in 1980, now before that, we were Christians. We went to church three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, except when we talked ourselves out of it, like, you know. And we kept, but we were, we were fairly committed Christians. I'd say we were in the top 10% of committed Christians for that, for that church. And, um, but, we, um, but we didn't have a thought to look at the Word of God. For one thing, when we looked at it, we didn't understand what we was reading. And, you know, it was But in 1980, on January 1st, we were hungry for more God. We just weren't getting fed and nobody telling us, had no teacher to teach us. And so uh, in January 1st, 1980, we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And from that day forward, we made the Word of God and learning His Word our total quest. Now, there's other people in, in, in that month, in January, we got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we hit the ground running. We started telling all our friends. And a lot of them got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I tell you, very few of them made the Word of God their quest. But we did. And that's supposed to be our quest. Everything else is secondary to the Word of God. And it's still our quest. And it is yours too. I know you have Bibles stacked around your house and you have books and you have tapes. And everywhere you go, you're listening to tapes. If you're doing that, you know what? You're making the Word of God your quest. You're endeavoring to learn. You're making the Word of God your quest. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. You are not wasting your time. You are not wasting your time. It's going to pay off. And sometimes payday doesn't always come immediately. Sometimes you can't even tell you're growing. You can't even tell you're changing. You can't even really tell if you're remembering any of it. But I tell you, when things the Bible says that the Word of God... Listen, quit putting your faith in you and start putting your faith in how good the Word is. The Bible says the Word is incorruptible seed. It's not how good you are. It's not how good a memory you've got. It's not how good you are. It's how good this Word is. This Word is so good that even if the ground of your heart is bad, the, word, the seed will change the ground. And all of us need our ground changed somewhat. Amen? And all of us could be improved. Because we may be just yielding 30-fold or 60-fold and there's always 100-fold. Amen. And the, so we're not putting our faith in, in how good we are, the Word of God. So you may not can tell anything's happening. You know, the, there's the, what I think it's a, mm, it's some kind of tree. I think it's some sort of a Mexican palm tree. I may have to correct that next week. My palm may not be the right word. But they say when you plant this tree that for four years you have to water and fertilize this tree every day. Every day. I would not want to plant a tree like that. And nothing happens for four years. But on the fifth year, it grows 90 feet. And that's how the Word of God is and putting the Word in our heart. Sometimes we can't tell, really, it's even making a difference. We're listening to tapes, we're getting up in the morning, we're reading the Bible, we're confessing the Word, and it's like, it don't seem like anything's really happening. But all of a sudden, we're not the same. Oh, I'm so thankful that I'm not like I was January 1st, 1980. I am so thankful. You cannot imagine how much I've grown spiritually. You cannot imagine. But not a, uh, m- most of that growth was fairly imperceptible. It's like, you know, we left Seminole four years ago in in in. in, in February, and, and, when, and we left some kids in our church, you know, little kids. And we think those little kids are still, because we remember them how we left them. And some of them were about this tall. And the ones that are about this tall now, are some of them are about that tall, and they're, in, they're sophomores in high school. And they tell us about them, and we just can't imagine. Because you know what? We didn't see them. But to their parents, they saw them every day, and they really couldn't tell they were growing. But we hadn't seen them in four years, some of them. And it's like, my word, what happened to you? It's the same with age. You look in the mirror, and you can't tell anything's happening. But somebody hadn't seen you, you go back to your class reunion after 10 years, and they'll go, you're losing hair. You've been losing some hair up on top. And you go man I I I I can't tell don't look any different to me because see you're looking at it every day it's the same with your spiritual life you can't tell But the Word of God is incorruptible seed. And it's doing something on the inside of you. The Word and the Spirit of God are doing things inside of you. So we just keep on keeping on being in His Word. Because the more I know the Word, the more I know His voice. I know His will. The more I know His Word, I don't even really have to hear His voice. Now, I'll always need to hear it in some areas because there's specific things that aren't in the Word. But I, but the more I know, some of the questions are just answered. You can figure out real quick about who you're supposed to marry just knowing the Word. You don't, even, you don't have to pray about a lot of people. You can eliminate probably about 99% of the world just by knowing the Word of God. That narrows the field down. It narrows it way down, doesn't it? Then you don't walk around everywhere looking at somebody. They they might be a prospect. They might be a prospect. They might be a prospect. No, you know that most everybody's eliminated just because you know the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You get to knowing this has got to be divine, don't you? (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, so the Bible is God speaking to you. And there is nothing more precious than the word of God preached. In Romans chapter 10, it says, How will they hear without a preacher? There's nothing more precious than the Word of God preached. If you don't like to hear preaching and teaching, then ask God to help you. Now you do or you wouldn't be here on Sunday night, but you can tell other people this. Because you know there's people that don't have a taste for it. Well, one reason they don't have a taste for it is probably just because they heard liturgical sermons. You know, there's people that are going to churches where they're teaching in Latin. And they don't even speak Latin. You know, in Seminole, we had a large community of Mennonites in Seminole, like 3,000, and Seminole was 8,000 people. So that's a pretty big community of Mennonites. There was five Mennonite churches. The different churches believed different ways. If you went to this Mennonite church, you might dress a certain way. Some of the Mennonites, you couldn't tell from their dress that they wore shorts and did everything that, that we did, but some of them wore a little hat, skull cap things, and, and, and you know, different churches did different things. One of those Mennonite churches, the sermons on Sunday morning were preached in high German. The only problem is the people understand low German. You talk about supernatural ignorance. Now supernatural ignorance, I've explained this to you before, but i got to tell you, is you can't get there by yourself. The devil has to help you. <laughs> You can't be that ignorant just being a human being. The devil has to deceive you and blind you. I mean, that is ignorant. Isn't that the truth? The Word of God is so precious, though, that the devil does anything to try to keep us from hearing the Word of God. He'll do anything to try to keep you from church, to try to keep you from getting the Word of God planted. How many of you know when you sit down to read the Bible, the devil fights you sometimes? How many of you have ever opened up your Bible and then you thought, well, I need to go put those clothes that are in the washer in the dryer? You know, that's nothing more than just the devil fighting you. He's just trying to distract you. How many of you ever gotten the Word and said, man, now I, I need to get in the Word. I'm devoting this morning to the Word. The phone rings off the wall. You know, there, it is not sin to take that thing off the hook. Now you can't do that. Used to, you could just take your phone off the hook and leave it forever if you wanted to. Now it starts buzzing real loud after a while, you know. But, you know, there's ways to unplug them and so forth. But the devil doesn't want you to have the Word of God. He knows, if you know the Word, how powerful you are. We need to know the Word, but here's the other thing. We also need to know how to rightly divide the Word. And here's a big clue to rightly dividing the Word. The Bible says for you to study, to show yourself approved, that you might rightly divide the Word of truth. Listen, if you've ever read the Bible and you thought that two Scriptures contradicted each other, then you just weren't rightly dividing it. Because this whole thing agrees. The whole thing agrees. Here's my advice to you. Just keep studying. Just keep on keeping on. And I'll tell you another thing: when you're in the Word of God, don't major on the minors. Cause when you major on the minors, it'll mess you up. You need to major on the more important things in the Word of God. You need to not major on what is the 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 beasts in Revelation? What are the hundred forty-four thousand? What are the two witnesses? You know, here's my thought: who cares? I mean, I know it's good and I know it's important. I'm not trying to discount the Word of God. But I don't know about you, but i got things today I need to know about. I, the 144,000 in Revelation. But you know, one thing the devil tries to do is get us focused on something that's not important. You know, he sometimes tries to get people focused on tongues versus just seeking God and getting closer to Him. Well, I just don't know about this tongues thing. Well, just forget about it and seek God and get closer to Him. And first thing you know, you'll just be speaking in Him. Isn't that the truth? Oh, hallelujah. Well, just major on the minors. Uh, The second voice of the Lord, and these aren't going to take real long, so just be patient. The voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord is subject to the Word of God. Now, that's the second voice, excuse me, is the voice of the Spirit. I said, okay, the voice of the Lord is the Word, and then the second voice is the voice of the Spirit. And this voice is subject to the Word of God. Now, we've already talked about that. The voice of the Spirit will never contradict the Word. So, in other words, the Spirit of God will never tell us to do something that's against the Word of God. The Spirit of God will never tell you to lie. You know, there are times, and every person in this room has lied. And if you, don't have it, if you say you haven't, you're a liar. <laughs> You know why I know you've lied before? Because sometimes it seems like it's the better thing to do. <laughs> sometimes it seems like, God, this is the easiest way out. Even this pastor wife has had to call up a church member, not here, but, and say, I, I'm sorry, I just didn't tell you the truth. Because it was just like, sometimes we're confronted with a situation and we just don't know what to say and, and somebody's put us on the spot and we know we really can't tell them the truth. And so, you know what we do? We just lie. But did you know a lie is God, the Holy Spirit will never tell you to lie because God's against it. But see, we fear man sometimes more than we fear God. Because did you know that it is perfectly acceptable and it is not even a lie to say, I'm, I can't tell you that. People will ask you things that they don't have any business asking you. People will ask you, how much do you make? Did you know it's okay to say, I'm not going to tell you that. It is okay to tell somebody, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. But see, sometimes we fear man more than we fear God. But I'm talking about the voice. Now, the voice didn't tell you to lie. The voice of the Spirit won't tell you to lie because that would break the word. The voice of the Spirit won't tell you to leave the husband you've got now and marry the man that you work with. He won't tell you that. He'll never tell you that. That violates His Word. Hallelujah. The voice of the Spirit won't ever tell you to steal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so the voice is subject to the Word. Now, the voice of the Spirit is divine directives from heaven resulting in prosperity, health, and abundant life. So we've got to hear the voice of the Spirit. There's things that are not in the Word, like, should I change jobs? Should I do this? Should I do that? What do I do about this? What do I do about that? You know, the Holy Spirit will give you divine directives by the voice of the Lord, but we've got to learn to hear Him. I tell you, one of the best places you can hear God is when your pastor is preaching. If you will listen with an ear, I'm talking if you will listen with an intent to hear, you will hear the Holy Ghost give you things that are clues or keys. Now, He may not give you the direct answer. Sometimes He he gives us things that leads us to the answer. Sometimes He gives us puzzle parts. He gives us pieces of the puzzle. And we take this piece, and, we, and He's not trying to be secretive. It's not that. But see, God, see, most of us don't have the foundation that if He just said, if He just said to you, uh, Myron, move to Columbus, Mississippi. If He just said that to you, we wouldn't have the foundation inside of us. We'd start to doubt that. We'd say, well, I, I don't know if I really heard God. And so he begins to give us clues to the pieces of the puzzle. See, when God, if God had spoke to us and said, Michael and Debbie Billings, Michael, I want you to move to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I want you to start a new church there. And if he had told us that, we, you know what? We would have missed God. We would have not been in the will of God because we would have thrown that out if we would have heard that voice. So God began to give us puzzle pieces. And the first thing he did was we went to a meeting and he said, I'm going to begin to change your vision in three directions. Well, that I, we heard something. And we go, in, okay, God's changing our vision. So he let us walk around for three months thinking, wonder how he's going to change our vision. Father, show us how you're going See, and he, that, that clued us in to listen, didn't it? And that was one piece of the puzzle. The next thing he did, see, because a lot of times the Holy Spirit starts leading us, we think it's us. We were going on a trip to Tulsa about three months after we heard that and we heard, um, we, and, and I actually, to tell you the truth, there was this particular person in our church that I got aggravated at right as we were leaving, just as we were leaving town. I mean, she just ticked me off, to tell you the truth. She just And I don't get ticked off easy, but the woman ticked me off. So I get to Tulsa, though, and I begin to have this overwhelming desire to move. But I thought, that's just me, you're just mad. And I just pushed that thing away. You're just mad. See, see, God has to give us puzzle pieces sometimes. But still, this desire, He put a desire. So He gives us puzzle pieces. And then He gave us some other pieces. He gave us, a, He told Michael, He said, I want you to hook up with three men. Patrick Norris, Mark Brzee, Scott Webb. He wants you to hook up with three men. Well, there was a piece of the puzzle. Well, we had to act on those pieces that God's given us. One of the things we act, He said, "Well, He said, well, let's just go to Birmingham on vacation." And so we went to. We drove a thousand miles to come to Birmingham on vacation. And uh, there's not a lot to see from Texas to Birmingham except in Lynchburg. Not Lynchburg, uh, Vicksburg, Mississippi. We toured the Civil War battleground. And all that. But, you know, it's not like you go, man, this is a vacation. But still, you know, you follow the Holy Spirit. And He's giving you, vo- He's, the voice of the Spirit is giving you pieces. He's giving you pieces. Now, a wise man or a wise person comes to church and expects God to give them pieces while they're here. Yeah. Little financial keys. Little little keys to the ministry call of God on their life. See, once He told us our vision was changing in three directions, I tell you, we were tuned in everywhere we went. We were listening and we we even, Mark Brzee was coming to Lubbock, God had told us to hook up with him so we called his hotel room now everybody couldn't do this but we were ministers and we said could you meet with us for a few minutes, so he said okay we picked him up at the hotel, took him to the Dairy Queen just to visit with him for a few minutes and we just said man we, we're we we're hearing these things and we love our town, we love our people, we love our church but we think we're hearing these things, you know help us, he said I'll tell you what to do he gave us a little key, he said skate out on the ice a little bit if it's starts cracking, jump back. If it don't crack, you can keep going. So we skated out a little bit. And after that, we came to Birmingham, scouted it, skated out on the ice a little bit. Well, you know process though. I talked to you about that, how I came and said too, too hot, too many trees was July. You know, too hot and July in Alabama. You should not make those decisions. You'll make a fleshly decision. Now, come this time of year and you'd say, dear God, this is heaven on earth, wouldn't you? Amen. Praise God. Well, um, so God has a voice. He has a voice of the Spirit. He has divine directives from heaven that will result in your prosperity. Hallelujah. Am I going too long? I got a few more minutes. So the voice of the Spirit comes. And one thing it does is it bears witness to the Word. Now you can, when you hear the voice of the Spirit bearing witness to the Word, there's a word for this, it's called a rhema. This word right here is called the logos. This is the logos, the written Word of God. But when you're reading along and a Scripture jumps out at you, you've got a rhema. Now, a lot of people don't pay close enough attention to those. When God gives you a rhema, you need to hang on to it. You need to write it in a book. You need to pray it. You need to talk it to God. Now, Lord, I know you said this. You spoke to me. It's when a Scripture just lights up to you. And you may not know everything it means, and you may not really know what God's saying, but see, you're putting some pieces together. I know we were at home in Seminole thinking about... um, Come to Birmingham on vacation. And the Lord gave me a scripture in Joshua that says, go scout out the land. That should have been a bigger clue than it was. But see, I was coming out here, I was aware. I was scouting it out. We was scouting out the land. I had a rhema, go scout out the land. And we did. I don't think it's any accident that God had us get off the interstate in Tuscaloosa. Got my first drink of sweet tea in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Got, pulled into Burger King, ordered tea. And it was sweet. Didn't even know it'd be sweet. Never knew the South had sweet tea. Never, I, I guess, you know, people made sweet tea in their homes sometimes, but you couldn't have got it in a restaurant in Texas. Nowhere. And when, you, when I go to Texas now and we sit down and say, they, what do you want to drink? I say, unsweetened tea. They look at you funny. <laughs> like, well, that's all we have, lady, you know. That's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I forget I'm not in the South. <laughs> Praise God. Well, uh, uh, but, you know, Texas do consider themselves Southerners, but they're not. <laughs> They're not. Amen. Yeah, I talked to my an aunt today and she was telling me about her little nephew. I mean, her little grandson, he's like one. And she said that he saw the Texas flag. She had him in her home. And she said, and he said, Texas. And he began to sing, the eyes of Texas are upon you, the whole song. I said, you Texans, you think that that's the only place on earth, that there's no other place like that? She said, well, you used to live here. I said, yeah, I used to think that way. But now I know that there are other places besides Texas in the world, you know. So anyway, I was giving her some trouble over that. They're teaching, and you got to understand. His daddy is a graduate of the University of Texas. They got this little kid doing Hook'em Horns, you know. All right, and and, I mean they're 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 bad. Like they're bad like Alabama people are about Alabama. You know, they're uh, (laughs) they're with it about it. And man, we are not for the University of Texas, (gasps) even when we were there. Don't tell them that though. (laughs) We want anybody to whip them. Praise God. Bow back to the voice of the Spirit. The voice of the Spirit says, Don't be for the University of Texas. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Do y'all agree? (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, I'd like, I wish we could play them. I wish we could whip them. That'd be fun. Because my cousin, it would be so much fun. Okay, so when we hear these voices in the Word, I mean, when this Scripture jumps out to us, it's a rhema to us. Now, here's some other things. The the, the other voice of the Spirit is the still small voice. We talked about that last week, so I'm not going to go into that. You know, that's the small voice. God's not speaking audibly very much. In Acts chapter 9, though, you can read there, He spoke audibly to Saul. A lot of people, though, are sitting around waiting on God to talk audibly to them. Listen. It's not really necessary. It, you know, Saul was a very, very bad person. He wasn't paying any attention to what God had. God had to get his attention and he had to get it in a major way. Amen. I hope God doesn't have to blind you, knock you down on the road, and speak you in an audible voice. But we know this is an audible voice because it says there in Acts 9 that the other people heard the voice too. They didn't see anything. They didn't see the light that Paul saw, but they, they heard the voice. Listen, don't wait for the audible voice. Hallelujah. Enough said about that. The foremost way that God speaks to His people is by the inward witness. I know we want something more than that, but did you know the most way God's going to speak to you is just by unction. You're just going to kind of know in your knower. You just have a leading. You just have an urging. You just have a witness. This is what I'm supposed to do. You're sitting around waiting to hear a voice, and there's a voice right down in here talking to you. Talking to you all the time. You just have a witness whether you're... Listen, you can get so in tune with this voice that you know when you're supposed to buy something and you know when you're not supposed to buy something. You can get so in tune with this voice that you can look at a house and you can go, this is a beautiful house, but this isn't it, honey. You can get so in tune with this voice that you can sit in a car and tell it's not it. You can tell it's not it. Just cause the voice. There's this witness. That's the voice. That's the voice. See, sometimes we, don't, we think if God doesn't say, this is it, that He's not talking. But He's talking to you. You've got to learn to hear it. You've got to learn to hear it. You've got to train yourself. You've got to work at this thing. You've got to want to hear it. The third voice of the Lord in the earth, and I'm not going to go into this much because this one really doesn't pertain to you as much, although God still uses this in your life, is the voice of the conscience. But the voice of the conscience, God uses for every living human being. Every human being He's talking to on this earth. And in Romans, it says, Romans specifically, you can read this for yourself, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says that people are without excuse... Because there's this voice of the conscience in the earth. It says that all nature points to the fact that there's a God. It says that they know right from wrong, even if they have never been taught right from wrong, because there's a voice. And there's this voice of the conscience. Amen? You've got a voice inside you too, a voice of conscience, that says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's why you can't sin and feel good about it. That's why when you stay home from church on Sunday morning, you think, oh, if we could just stay home. I'm so tired. And then you don't enjoy it. You're miserable. You ever been there? Yeah, I have to. I didn't stay home from church, but I've done other things where I knew I was supposed to be and or I was supposed to do and the voice of the conscience wouldn't let me Rest. Wouldn't let me rest. That's why when at work, you gossip about something, there's a voice inside of you that says, Man, you shouldn't have talked about them. Man, you do y'all feel that voice? Listen, you can harden yourself to it. If you don't hear it, you've hardened your heart, the Bible says. You'll quit hearing the voice of the conscience. So you need to ask God, you need to repent and say, God, I'm not hearing my conscience anymore. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to let me hear it again. I've asked the Lord, and I want to encourage you to do this, to let me be sensitive to the Spirit. I said, Father, I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to do anything you don't want me to do. I want to do everything you want me to do. Holy Spirit, make me sensitive to the Spirit. And you know what He will he will. Let me give you four things real quickly to hear in the voice. Know the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. Now, I want to encourage you. A lot of times people like, man, think, man, this is a big book, 66 books, and, and this is big. How could I ever know this? Just get started. You know, back in the 80s, the Holy Spirit just put it in my heart to do the read through the Bible in a year. Don't look at the whole thing. Just start on today and read whatever you're supposed to read for today. And you'll get to know it. You know, it took about, there's about four years in a row, the Lord said, read through the Bible in a year, read through the Bible in a year. And you know, sometimes I struggle with it. Sometimes I'd get behind, I'd have to catch up. You know, but you know, I just kept plugging at it, just kept going at it. And then there came a year where I thought, okay, I'm supposed to read through the Bible in a year because I always had it's like, don't read through the Bible in the year of this year. I tried to do it, and there was no anointing to do it. And I just went another way. Now, I just let the Holy Spirit lead me what book to go to. I really That's how I do it. But if, let me tell you something. If you've never read through the whole Bible, then the Holy Spirit's telling you to. And You know how I know? Because He dealt with me about it this weekend. He told me to tell you, if you've never read through the whole Bible, He wants you to. And if you don't do well in King James, then get what you do well in and he'll graduate you. You know, we started out, when, when we got with Spirit, we didn't do well in King James. So we did some other versions. We I've done nearly all of them at one time. I've done New American Standard, I've done NIV, you know, and I'd wear an NIV Bible, the next time I'd just kind of be led. And finally I got, we went to New King James. We, we, we were getting New King James. And then I got my New King James wore out, and I really didn't want to buy a new Bible. And I had a King James that had never been touched. And so I just finally got to the King James that way, and didn't have any trouble. But hey, start where you're at. If if amplified ministers to you, do it. If living Bible ministers to you, do it. Start where you're at. And they've made it simple. Now you can go to the bookstore and buy a Bible that's called a one-year Bible. And it's laid out. January 1, read this. January 2, read that. I just want to encourage you. It's not long till January 1. Make sure you have one if you don't. And if you've never read through the Bible, you need to. God's telling you to. It helps you to hear His voice. And it helps you not to hear a wrong voice. Amen. Amen. The second thing is to submit to counsel. Submit to counsel. When you think you've heard something, it doesn't hurt to run it by a good counsel. And you know, sometimes people come in pastor's office and they say, Well, God told me to do this. Well, you just shut the door on counsel because how's pastor going to say what he thinks God's saying? Because you already said. Like if you come in and say, God told me to move. Well, he can't. You can't. If you present it that way, you just close the door. But you can submit to counsel and say, Pastor, like we did Mark Brzee, Mark, you know, we think we're hearing these things. You know, we're, we, we don't want to miss God. We love our church, love our town, love, you know, love our people. We're, we don't, we're not trying to hear leave. You know, some people are trying to hear leave. We weren't trying to hear leave. But we submitted it to counsel. Amen. And you can submit it to counsel. I tell you when people don't want to submit it to counsel when they already know it's wrong. And so they don't tell the pastor they're getting a divorce because they already know it's wrong and they shouldn't be, and so they just don't bother to tell him. Hello, and all other things like moving and everything. You know, it's never failed. I guarantee you, your pastor will know if you're supposed to move or not. The one person in our church that left our church that in Seminole that moved out of town that was supposed to move, before he moved, the, day, the, script, the week before, God gave us a scripture about him. We already knew he was moving. Now, preachers never want anybody to move because, you know, they're trying to get people to come, not eliminate them. But God will know. God talked to us about Chad before Chad talked to us. God talked to us about Chad. We already knew that that you'd actually been knowing for about three or four months that there was going to be a change coming there in his life. God talked to us and he, and then he, and actually the day before he talked to pastor, pastor and I were riding around, uh, riding out, we were out over the new bridge, the toll bridge, and, and we said something about it to that effect. The next day, Chad said, pastor, I need to talk to you. See, we already knew. We already knew. But you don't know how many people have moved and we knew it wasn't the will of God. And, and so, then later they're divorced and they do all sorts of things because they says like, no, I'm going to do this whether it's right or not. You need to submit to counsel. And you, by the way, when you submit, you ought to be teachable. You, if you don't really want to know the truth, you know it's not going to do any good. Listen, if it's God, it'll hold up under counsel. It'll hold up. Number three, rely on the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2.27, and you need to read this scripture later, but it says that you don't have any need for a man to teach you, but that you have the Holy Spirit. You have a witnesser inside of you, and you need to learn to trust it. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, sometimes people aren't even paying attention to what their heart's saying. It's like, I want what I want. I want what I want and I don't care what my heart's saying. But if you really care what your heart's saying, you have a Holy Spirit inside of you and you can trust it and it'll be grating on you if you're trying to do something wrong. You'll be having a, uh, 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 uh. You know, I don't feel good about this. I'm not talking about your head fighting you. Sometimes your heart will be saying step out on faith and your head will be going, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. You know, your head will say, I'm scared. But I'm talking about something where you're just like, man, this doesn't feel right. I like, it's like this. It's like taking a bath with your shoe, with your socks on. Something feels funny about it. Do you know what I mean? There's something funny about taking a bath with your socks on. It feels weird. Try it if you don't believe me. It feels really weird. Okay, the fourth thing is Hebrews 4, 7. Talked about this a little bit. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. If you want to hear God's voice... Don't harden your heart. You really got to be, I'll go where you want me to go, do what you want me to do. But here's the confidence you can have in that. God's never going to ask you to move and you not want to. See, I told you how when God started dealing with us to move to Alabama, one of the first things He did was this overwhelming desire that we even found strange to leave Seminole came up in our heart. All of a sudden, we had a desire to leave. All of a sudden, we're looking around Tulsa thinking, this sounds fun to live somewhere else. You know, it, this desire. And, you know, we pushed the desire down. Same thing when we left Seagraves to move to Seminole. Where Seagraves people didn't like Seminole. Same county. They, county seat Seminole. The, Seagraves is a littler town. Seminole, 8,000. Seagraves, 2,500. Uh, they had a fight over who over the hospital and over the airport. The two towns did. Seminole won and got both, and, they, and Seagraves wanted to put them between the two towns, 18 miles apart. Seminole won, so Seagraves is mad at Seminole. We don't like them. We don't want nothing to do with them. We go when we have to go to the county seat, and that's all. The, or to go to the ASCS office if you're a farmer. That's the only time we went. And so, you know, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, when we were going to pastor that church in Seminole, we found ourselves wanting to live there. We found ourselves reading real estate ads. And we were going to ourselves, this is crazy. This is weird. But see, desire. You don't have to be afraid of just opening yourself wide open to God and saying, God, I will do what you want me to do. I will go where you want me to go because He will not make you go anywhere apart from desire. He will not, He's not taking you captive. He's not sending you anywhere against your will. Did you know what? He didn't make Mary bear Jesus. It wasn't against her will. She wanted to. Sometimes we think, oh, she just did it, poor little martyr girl. She wanted to. God presented her a plan and she said, I'll do that. I want to get involved in your will, in your plan, God. The same with Jesus. He went to the cross. He wanted to go. Now, we know that he didn't want to suffer the pain, but I tell you what, and I'm in him with this, it's like this. I know the day I was going to have Eric in the hospital, of course, I was going to have a C-section, and I knew it. Listen, I, I really didn't want to go to the hospital that day. I didn't really want to be put to sleep that day, do the anesthesia thing. I didn't really want to come out from under anesthesia. That's not real fun, if you've ever done it. I didn't really want to do those things. But you know what? More than anything in the world, I wanted to go have that baby. And that's how Jesus was about the cross. He, he didn't really want to have a spear put in His side. If you'd have said, do you want a spear in your side? He didn't really want a crown of thorns jabbed down on His head. But more than anything in the world, He wanted to go to the... The Bible says, for the joy that was set before Him. And see, nothing was against His will. And nothing will ever be against your will. You will want to. So just get in the mood to want to with God. Just get in the mood to just just submit to Him and, so you, and submit to that voice. I tell you, it'll be an adventure. You won't live no dull, boring life. Sitting home rocking and watching days of our lives and as the world turns and wake up one of these days and be 60 years old and think, uh, or 65, or 100, or I don't know how old, but... You know, I said 60 and then I thought, that's not old anymore because you're just 15, 14 years away. That's really getting young, you know. (laughs) It's not old anymore. Thank you, Jesus. But you, you won't wake up bored. You'll be on an adventure and it'll be good. Let's stand up together.